the Idaho Catholic Podcast, coming to you from the beautiful and faith-filled Western Idaho. In this podcast, we attempt to share perspective relevant to modern life and grounded in the faith. My name is Deacon Pat, and the co-hosts are Mike Roberts and Daryl Falkenberg and Father Mark Ullincott. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi, Deacon. Hey, so what's our topic going to be for uh, today? Guys, let, today let's talk about gluttony. Ooh. Yeah, hey, can you pass me another beer? I need a couple more pizzas of pizza. Let me finish my ice cream before I do that. Hey, we're talking about gluttony, and I'm looking across the table here, and what am I looking at? I see Johnny Walker, Red Label. I don't even know how to say that beer. <laughs> and um, I think, Father, right over your shoulder, I'm seeing two open pizza boxes over there. And, uh, and it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, guys, so gluttony, yeah. what, what, what is gluttony? Well, you know, reading from the Summa Theologia, it says, Gluttony denotes not any desire of eating and drinking, but an inordinate desire of eating and drinking. But, you know, I, I don't think it ends there. I think we should talk about food and drink, of course, but I don't think really gluttony ends there. I think you can take it into other aspects of life. Like what kind of things do people do in excess? What would, what would you guys think? Oh, the number one hit issue, I think, is our cell phones. I, and you te- know? technology. Technology, right? right. So cell phones, Netflix. I, what did I hear someone at work the other day saying they went on a Netflix binge? <laughs> they do it actually every weekend? That's gluttonous, isn't it? That's the guys? best way to watch a TV show, though. You just <laughs> wait till the season's over, and then you just watch Cut. them all right, right in order. <laughs> no, I agree, Mike. I agree. <laughs> Back up the tape. <laughs> but I make sure to get a good babysitter for my kids while I'm doing that, okay? <laughs> because if you don't, what happens? <laughs> that sounds too benign for Mike's kids. <laughs> so what is too much food and drink? Well, and first off, just the idea that you, yeah, you can't have too much. <laughs> and, that, and that too much, therefore, implies that you can have, um, you can have an ordinate amount of a good thing. So like drinking, you know, we mentioned ice cream or Johnny Walker or Stella or trois. Um, you, you know, it's the Catholic view is, is that first off, uh, there is such a thing as an ordinate desire or an ordinate enjoyment of um, many things. We, um, maybe it's common, uh, maybe it's a common outlook to, for someone who is religious that they have to shy away from all all joy or all things pleasurable and and i don't know i think that that view is out there that that is the case father and guys i I was listening to the radios catholic radio the other day and there was a lady and i thought she had a pretty good question she said she really enjoys red wine she has a stressful job and when she gets off work she goes home and she likes to have a nice glass of red wine maybe two, one or two. And she was really contemplating um, if she was drinking excessively from a faith standpoint with, in regards to what she called gluttony. And she asked the priest that was on the talk show, um, how would I know what is too much? She said, didn't Jesus enjoy wine? <laughs> she said, you know, wine really lightens my heart. 
It helps me relax at, at night. Um, but she was very curious of, of how much is too much. What, what would you guys say about that? Crickets. Oh. <laughs> I'm not that savvy. All these guys were, were giving me the, the, the dagger eyes to hit the little button for the crickets. <laughs> um, yes, I will cut that out, you guys. <laughs> but, but anyway. Um, well, how much, how much is too much for me? How much is too much for someone else? I think it comes down to what the church teaches is forming your conscience correctly to... For, for that, I think many things in life are there's no hard and fast rule, and this is one of them. You know, it, it, obviously, I think there's a certain point where you get to where, yes, this is too much. When when you're drunk, that is definitely too much. Pretty obvious. Yeah. But whether that's one drink for someone and and five drinks for another person, you know, it's. it's I a, I think we could probably say. <clears throat> Is the level of your drinking or whatever you're doing, is it causing problems in your life? Is it causing problems with your work? Is it causing problems with the relationships in your life? Is it separating you from things that you would like to do otherwise? Is it getting involved with your relationship with Christ, with your prayer life? Do you, when you start drinking, then you forget about everything else that would be good and would help with balance in your life? I think there's I think there are some guidelines we could use for that when you drink are you drinking to such a level that you do things impulsively that you wouldn't do when you weren't drinking otherwise do you get on Facebook and you start posting things you would not normally post and then the next morning there's repercussions all because it's all related to your drinking what you did a couple of thoughts anyway and, and that's good and I would I would add that we should consider all that with the caveat of saying we are very good at convincing ourselves that it doesn't affect us. Mm. <laughs> I think we're we're extremely good at that. We're good at blinding ourselves to does it affect my life? Well, who what is who is more apt to say that they don't have a problem uh, but the addict himself, the person that is obviously addicted or obviously has issues with with that. Yeah, denial, that's the number one coping skill for addictions. If you, because once you, once you identify that you have a problem, then you have to do something about it. Hmm. It's much easier to deny that you have the problem and project on everybody else that they just don't understand you and it's, and they're the problem because then you don't have to fix anything. And I would, I would also say that, um, you know, a good way to tell if you have a, maybe to use language, um, more general language, an inordinate or a, or a unhealthy attraction or unhealthy desire of towards something, is just to go without it. You know, give it a try and and actually see if you can go without it. I think that is get that gives us a huge clue um, to how much we're attached to something. Because there, I, I'm I I would say there'd be plenty of things that. People would say, oh, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. I can go without it. But, boy, if you ask them to actually do it, they would say, in the end, they would say no. Or it would be too hard. They I could if I wanted to. I could if I wanted to, but I don't, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you're touching on there on the, you know, gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins. And the, you know, if, if you're struggling with gluttony, then you want to focus on the lively virtue that opposes that. 
that helps us fight it. And that would be what you just kind of mentioning, you know, go without it. That'd be fasting. So if you're, if you are, you know, struggling with drinking or too much food, then I would say one of the answers to, to fighting that would be fasting. Can you, what is fasting in particular? Just going without it? Well, yeah, I mean, like in your case, it'd be, you know, if it was drink, you'd fast from drinking for a period of time. If, if, if it's just eating too much, you know, fast on Fridays. Don't eat on Fridays. I or, think, or, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm just throwing an example there. Yeah, I think fasting really has been a, a lost art for, for many, many people. It was, it's, it's fasting which helps, you know, really teach discipline in our lives. And the more you can practice self-denial in your life, the better you become at it. And if, it's, if you're going to focus on fasting, which there's a lot of groups out there will, which will pick like a Wednesday, and they fast every Wednesday or maybe every Friday they fast on. And the more they do it, um, the better they get at it. And then they can start applying that to other aspects of their life as well, become more disciplined. You know, we live in this culture that um, we never say no to ourselves for anything. You know, you want something, you can drive to the store and get it. Stores are open all night. You never have to wait for anything. Yeah. And I think to tell yourself, you know, yes, I want this, but I'm going to deny myself this. Um, I think that's very rare in our culture. It's today. unheard of. It's un- yeah. yeah. Um, Father said something a, a minute ago. He used the word detachment and that uh, it's uh, that detaching from uh, an unhealthy desire for uh, food or drink or just other things that we have a healthy, unhealthy desire for. Uh, what did you mean by that, by um, detachment? Like, I think if we, if we were honest about ourselves, um, there would just be a lot of things that we would be attached to. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll bring out as an example things that I'm not, to atta- not, I'm not attached to. Um, if I had a plate of peas in front of me, I would be perfectly happy uh, okay, unless I was absolutely starving, but I would be perfectly happy to leave yes, some butter and salt, and they're pretty good. <laughs> okay, I'm being biased against vegetables, um, but I'd be perfectly happy leaving those peas on the plate. Uh, I really fasting would. Fasting from peas. Fasting from peas. I could yeah. do that. <laughs> I could do that any day of the year. But but um, okay, if replace those peas with chocolate cake, and even if I was really full. Um, unless I was absolutely stuffed, um, I would have to eat that chocolate cake. There, there's an attachment there. This is kind of a silly example, but but an example nonetheless. That that we can we can really have these strong attachments to certain things, and we can we can um, be we can live in a way that we're free of attachment. Would I eat the peas? Do I eat the peas? Yeah, I eat peas, um, but. Um, if I'm things that I'm attached to, I'm not willing to let those go so easily as I am um, a plate of peas. So, so what would be the benefit of detaching from things of this world? Why, why would anybody want to do that? I would, um, well, okay, for one, in regard to, say, okay, the chocolate cake, um, things in inordinate amounts actually are unhealthy and and I think that's very obvious in our health world um, chocolate cake is unhealthy <laughs> and if you gave in to every desire you had to, to eat chocolate cake um, you would you would become 
morbidly unhealthy, or at least at least um, you would tend in that direction. So I think one of the first things that that gluttony and just this idea of temperance or this idea of detachment um, is one one thing is good for us is to detach us from clinging or from from um, entertaining or um, entering in reaching for things that are that are that will hurt us that will be unhealthy and I'm not speaking just in regard to food although that's an apparent example but there are so many activities or things that we can do or eat or think about or um, entertain uh, be entertained by that are just frankly unhealthy and so freeing ourselves from an attachment to those things is the first step to health on a, on a spiritual level, on a physical level. There's a couple of things that come to my mind as you're talking. <clears throat> when I think of women, I, I think of shopping. <laughs> I mean, there's some women that they fill every spare moment of their time either shopping on the Internet or, sh- or going to the mall and shopping. And then the reverse of that would probably be so many guys I know that they'll spend every moment they have either researching or doing it hunting or fishing and I think sometimes it's so obsessive for them and so excessive that that's all they want to do yet they're married yet they have children and if they're spending hour upon hour upon hour and when striper season comes and they're out every single weekend fishing (laughs) by themselves or with their buddies what what are the kids doing and how does that affecting the relationship with those kids as well, especially here in Idaho. I mean, it's the most beautiful place to hunt and fish, mm-hmm. and and a lot of guys have this passion for that. But I wonder about balance. So so maybe balance is a part of this. Where where do we find that healthy balance? Because I think it's good to have passions in life. It's good to have hobbies in life, but but when does it become excessive? Right. Yeah. One thing I have here, um, this is just that, you know, an idea I throw out there, but this is interesting. A glutton, this is from a book, it's called Wishful Thinking. A glutton is one who raids the icebox for a cure for spiritual malnutrition. A glutton is one who raids the icebox uh, for a cure for spiritual malnutrition. Of course, um, never finding it in the icebox. What do you guys think about that? You know, from a medical perspective, what I think of is there's so many people out there, and I've heard this over and over and over again, and there's there's a lot of studies on this, that um, in our American culture, mo- most people um, possess a certain level of dehydration, and so their body is really craving water. They want water, but, but drinking water is so foreign to them. They have this inner urge to drink water, but they don't know what it is, so they confuse it and they eat food instead. Because when by eating the food, there is a small percentage of water in it. So they have, they have an innate desire to do something, but they don't recognize it, so they fill it with something else. So I wonder in regards to what you're saying, um, do we have this innate desire to be spiritually fed, but we don't know where to turn? And so we're constantly searching in life to fill ourselves with something when we don't really realize that it's really it's a spiritual desire that we're seeking. I mean, to tail on to this a little bit, they talk about guys in their midlife crises 
and really um, and that's when they go out and they buy these motorcycles or they buy the Corvette in their life and they're in their 50s because they're really at a transition time in their life and they're in, they're searching what they don't really realize though at the core of that searching is they're really searching for the purpose of life and the the answers of life which is really in in God it's in that relationship with God but they've become so disconnected from the spiritual world they're looking for everything else to fill that void that's within them so i think it's uh i think it would help us to really stay in tune with our relationship with god i don't know i just threw a lot out there you guys yeah you're way off topic you were talking about food and drink Pat. <laughs> food and drink <laughs> okay. okay hone it in hone it back in right <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like you're you're you. Okay, that's not my laugh. <laughs> Mike, so was that you? Knows. Mike. Was that you? Come on. No, but it's like it's like you have an appetite, but yet you're filling it with things like father. Come on. <laughs> you have an appetite, but you're filling it with things that don't quench that appetite. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you're, we fill our things with things that won't won't fill it. We our appetite. We, as the the Catholic tradition would be, we have as as human beings created by an infinite God, created by a God who is infinite in many ways. Um, we as human beings have an infinite desire, or a desire that can only be satisfied by the infinite. Which um, I don't know how many how many infinite things you guys know about but really it's it's just there's one it's god and so to try to be satisfied by things that aren't infinite um it will never happen and of course we see that in in any sort of addiction any sort of um attachment or ordinate attachment we're never satisfied we go back and we go back and we go back in our in our um desire becomes absolutely insatiable which it is because that's who we believe we are the catholic view of humanity is we are made for the infinite we are made for god and so no no one nothing or no one can ever satisfy that and so if we're looking for it in in food um we're going to be sorely disappointed <laughs> and i think every every uh, glutton knows that Oh my gosh! But Father, I think we have a crisis going on in in our world. Those things that we just touched base on right now. You guys are laughing at my little tunes. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying my little buttons. Have you guys noticed? <laughs> no, but okay. On a serious note, so we do have a crisis though in a, in the world around us. Even if we look at some of our friends or some of the people that are in the church with us, as we get to know them on an intimate level, and maybe it's ourselves on some of the things that we have a problem with that we're gluttonous about or, or we're struggling with temperance in our life. So where do we start? How, how do we get back on track? How, what do we do to try to fight off these temptations and to maybe rebalance our life um, so we don't fall prey to this total disconnect from God and searching in the wrong areas? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? I mean, Mike, you mentioned one thing, just fasting. Uh, the age-old age old practice of, of fasting, of going without something. 
and you know, staying plugged into the church and the sacraments, receiving the sacraments, and not trying to live a life in isolation, living a life of community where you have a support support group and where you have um, yeah, just living in community with with other guys. And if, if you know, one thing that all four of us did here at the beginning of the year is we we went through a program together called Exodus 90 where we went through some we, 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 we subjected ourselves to some pretty tough stuff and one of the things we learn is that when one of us failed we all tend to fail right that's true it's and, true. and when we hung when we hung together and and stayed part of the program and encouraged one another it, it, get, it becomes easier so if we if we uh are living our lives as a you know kind of a lone ranger, and we're we're stuck in something. We, we need to we need to get help. What I think I noticed the most about the Exodus ninety because this was our second year of doing it. <clears throat> um, we had a core group that did it last year, and we had a little bit bigger group that did it this year. But it was the it was the community. It was those weekly gatherings where we got together and we pretty much talked about what the highlight of our week was and where did we fall that week and 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 having each other you know hold us accountable um someone that you had to report to in your life someone that you trusted i I think so doesn't that relate to our christian journey as well do we have those kind of friendships and relationships where we can hold each other accountable or do we even want to do that it has to be a desire to want to do that as well um and some something i found with exodus 90 is that um when you're when we were fasting on those fast days um there's something about the fasting that made the other disciplines easier and i i can't i don't know why exactly but there there was always something about not um yeah just something about the fasting that would make not watching movies easier not watching tv easier and it it kind of focuses your mind on what's important at least it did for me i think it's the hardest of the disciplines it is and if you can master that one it just gives you so much more stamina to get through the, the other ones. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the guys thought that the cold showers were going to be the toughest part of the discipline. But actually, as we got into it, that seemed to be one of the easiest parts. It was some of the, it was the fasting for food. And for a lot of the guys, it was the fasting of alcohol. <laughs> no alcohol for 90 days. Father, I think you mentioned a little earlier um, to know if you really have a problem with something. Give, see if you can give it up. I think mm-hmm. if if you if you you can have all kinds of rationalizations in your mind and excuses in your mind, but to actually say I don't have a problem with this, so I'm not going to do it for a while. That's the real test, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So what else, yeah. guys? Well, on the same note here, you know, uh, Pope Gregory the Great said that unless we first tame the enemy dwelling within us, namely our gluttonous appetite. We have, we have not even stood up to engage in spiritual combat. If, if our gluttonous appetites are taking over us, controlling us, if we're a slave to that, then we're not even engaging in spiritual combat. At all. That's pretty sad. When you, when you think about like the evils, it's, it's the evil of the self, it's the evil of the devil, and the evil of the world. If we can't even conquer really our, our brokenness with inside of ourselves, 
how can we combat against yeah. the world and the devil? We can't even win our own battle with inside ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, it goes right along with what you were saying, Daryl, about how if you can master the fasting, then everything else seems easy. Mm-hmm. But isn't part of the spiritual life, I was thinking of, uh, I think it's St. John of the Cross, um, dark night of the spirit and dark night of the soul. As you progress on the spiritual journey, God gives you a little insights into your life and lets to let you see yourself um, little by little how he sees you. And you can start revealing within yourself your imperfections that maybe have gone unnoticed. And I, I think that can be very difficult for a lot of people sometimes because we always want to prop ourselves up and we always want to uh, um, maybe be a little prideful about things or at least optimistic about things. But as we travel on our spiritual journeys, I think sometimes we start seeing how often we fall and maybe things that we haven't even seen before um, are, 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 are deeper struggles in our life. And um, I think that's when we need to run to the sacraments as well, um, whenever uh, for the comfort and for the healing. And I always think of the sacrament of reconciliation to to remove the sin that might be blocking the graces of God in our life because it's the graces of God that will help heal us and inspire us and motivate us to uh, to be better people this really um, shows us I think um, of course I'm a Catholic priest saying this but just the wisdom of the church um, in in really um, training us from the beginning of our life as a Catholic for those of us who grew up in the church but um, for every Catholic is is it is it is a weekly practice um, mandated by the church to go without something which which um, I think most of us would tell ourselves well that's pretty easy but at the same time I, I wonder if if very many Catholics actually do it um, so and I'm in speaking in regard especially just to the the Catholic obligation to abstain from meat on every Friday throughout the year, especially Fridays in Lent, um, or or at least if the Catholics so choose to abstain from something else on a Friday outside of Lent, um, but but every every week every every week we are obligated uh, to go without something, and of course that's not just to follow some rule, meaningless rule, uh, but. But the church sees our need to always, always staying on top of this this uh, temperance, this this sense of staying in control. Even, of course, the church in this regard, I think, really proposes the minimum uh, necessary. But nonetheless, it's it's a practice that I would I would dare say um, a good majority of Catholics do not even really practice or even think about or even aware of. Just just that that weekly. Um, necessity to to go without meat or something on on every Friday. So not just during Lent; it's every Friday. Yeah, not all not year. just during Lent. Yeah, I think a lot of yeah, that's right. A lot of Catholics think that the church got rid of this whole sense of getting rid of or, or abstaining from meat on Fridays, but but that really never went away. The only thing the church gave us the option to substitute something for that. But what everyone, well, I think what most Catholics hear then is simply that the church uh, let us get rid of not fasting. But that's simply not, not the case. You know, that, that is so true, Father, because every year I teach a class to um, parents, of child, 
parents that have children that are going to go through First uh, Holy Communion. And um, it's a gathering of these parents and also the sponsors. And we talk about this. We talk about the, the refraining or fasting from meat on Fridays. And if you're not going to do that, then you need to purposely think of what are you going to substitute as a discipline of denying yourself um, or, or if it's going to be prayer, whatever it's going to be for the substitution. And I get the uh, look of the deer's eyes in the headlights. <laughs> they have no idea what I'm talking about. So when you think about, you know, these are the parents of the primary educators of these kids, and they don't even understand, you know, the guidelines of the church. We have a problem. We have a problem there. It just perpetuates the uh, ignorance. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but <laughs> the ignorance of, of really the guidelines of our own church. So, so what do we do as Catholic men and clergy to, to, to teach? What is our obligation? Hand over the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to step up. I think, um, hey, I have a good idea. We should start a podcast, you guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's talk about gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys. Um, Is it time? Wow. I think I hear the music. Can you believe it's been 30 minutes already? No. Well... Thank you all for listening to Idaho, Idaho Catholic Podcast, a weekly reflection and discussion on living the faith in the modern world. We hope you have a wonderful and God-centered week full of peace, happiness, and joy. May God forever keep you. Until next week, God bless.